I didn't need that from Harvey Keitel. I was okay not knowing what his dick looked like. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Headley. Not with me as always, but with me again this week is Cecil, who wasn't here last week, but then Peter's not here this week be- because he was here last week, so, uh you people. Look, we are busy, busy bees. <laughs> I don't know. Well, at least, well, I guess, I guess our, my, my excuse was kind of, uh, similar. Last week was Easter and I was with the family. This and week is this whatever week, Orthodox Easter is. No idea what that is, but really, I mean, I just, I just went more, more to see the family than for the actual holiday. You also could get the family some gifts like from adamandeve.com. I don't think they'd like it very much. Whatever. Some you people, like Jesus? Here, have a dildo. Some people might like to go to adamandeve.com, where you can use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, and a free mystery kit. A mysterious thing in it. Probably something Adam and Eve had too many of. All you have to do is use the promo code DROME, and you get... A great deal, honestly. So go to adamandeve.com. It might be an Owen Wilson butt plug. Or it could be one of those Star Wars butt plugs that I swear to God I'm not making this up. On the advertising says, show her what a clogged exhaust port really looks like. Oh my God. I swear to God that's actually on the advertising. Now, uh, I, wow. <laughs> But on that is, note, that, is we're not one, talking is about butt plugs. Is it a 1.0 or a 2.0? Because a 2.0 will really clog your butt pl- will your exhaust pipe. You sound like you know from experience. I've seen, I believe me, I, I have not experienced butt plugs. I have no interest in them. However, I have seen some butt plug usage, and uh, yeah. Well, let's go to our actual topic. Our actual topic is, and this is going to be another two-part episode, the year 1992 in film. Right now, tonight, I just want to look at the non-genre films, because we got a lot of genre stuff to talk about in 1992. That'll be next week, the sci-fi movies, the horror movies. So let's talk about the arguable mainstream 1992 films. What film jumps out at you, non-genre, for 1992? Not, God, you throw me a curveball, non-genre. I don't know, maybe Wayne's World? Wayne's uh, World is not a not a bad choice. It's actually the number ten at the box office. See, if if I was going genre, I'd have a different pick. But you now this one, you might say I'm cheating because it's kind of genre. But I'm gonna go Aladdin because Aladdin hmm. was the movie of 1992. Well, Aladdin, yeah, it was the highest grossing film of the year. It was everywhere. It made half a billion dollars back when that meant something. It made half a, yeah, half a billion dollars in 1992 dollars, which is, yeah, is astronomical. Aladdin, which as much as I despise the Disney Corporation, I always kind of enjoyed this movie. Like I know around this era, this was the whole Disney Renaissance thing where Little Mermaid and, you know, Lion King will be out in, in a year, Beauty and the Beast. None of those really hit me. 
Aladdin had a certain style to it. I liked the art style. I, I liked the use of lighting, like the whole Cave of Wonders. God, I love the lighting in those scenes. I enjoyed Aladdin, and maybe that makes me a hypocrite. I don't know. I will not be seeing the Will Smith Aladdin, though, because fuck that movie. No. I am not, like, a huge fan of the, uh, more, like, the, the 90s and whatnot Disney animation. I really didn't like The Lion King, which I know is blasphemy. The Little Mermaid was, was okay, but I agree. I, I really liked Aladdin. There was something about it. It was charming. It was funny. It was, uh, very well paced. The animation was unique and, and just, uh, it just was a good movie. It was and Robin really Williams just- steals the film. Oh, Robin Williams is terrific in it. And Gilbert Godfrey, right? He's the, uh, the parrot. Iago. So it's just, it's, it's a perfect storm of, of stuff. You've got really good writing. You had good songs. You had Robin Williams just on point. It, uh, the animation was just phenomenal. It's a, it's a really great movie and one of the best. And then it's just, there's so many other ones that everybody flips out about. And I'm just like, eh negative interest in the 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 big budget live action remake and in general i've seen a lot of people online that are just no we don't want to see this however it's disney and it's almost guaranteed that people are just going to go see it regardless it i think it looks like complete garbage and uh, and i like will smith a lot but i can't see them recapturing the magic that they had with the 1992 version it's just some things should just be left alone this being 1992 we had two Christopher Columbus movies this year, both of which bombed massively. Now, I get it. He discovered America, and he put discovered, I know the true story, in quotes, but as the movies say, he discovered America in 1492. So it makes sense that 1992 is the year of Christopher Columbus, right? We have Christopher Columbus, The Discovery, which totally bombed. Then we have Ridley Scott's 1492, Conquest of Paradise, which totally bombed. I don't think people in 1992 gave a shit about Christopher Columbus, but this movie studios thought they did. It's it's a gamble. More than likely what happened was one studio greenlit the Christopher Columbus movie and they were thinking that was going to be the next big thing. Oh my God, you know, the, this story about Christopher Columbus, yes. It's and the so, 500th anniversary. Yeah, we need to jump on this and probably try to get it out before the other one. Kind of like uh, what happened with uh, Dante's Peak and Volcano. It was like, oh wait, they're doing a volcano movie. We need to do a volcano movie. They did it and uh, yeah, and they realized that, oh wait, nobody gives a shit. To put things into a little more perspective, going back just a smidge, uh, the average movie ticket price in 1992 was $4.15. So considering now, like, movies are, are breaking a half a million, half a billion and a billion and whatnot, but ticket prices now are, like, $15 and shit. So $4.15 being the average back then, that's just insane uh, how many tickets sold. Uh, and there weren't even that many theaters back then. As compared to now. Yeah, the multiplex was still coming into its own. It didn't, that didn't really take off until I think Independence Day was the first like really super huge one where multiplexes were just everywhere. Well, in 1992, we also have, cause we're going to be going, I'll be going relatively alphabetically here. So we'll be going big budget to small budget. Have you ever seen Edward James Almost's American Me? I've seen the box, but I've never actually seen the movie. Okay, let me put it this way. William Forsyth plays a vato. And this was, this was written and directed by a Latino, and he cast William Forth, William Forsyth as a Mexican. Nowadays you'd go, whitewashing. 
I don't know, in 1992, was that whitewashing when that was a deliberate casting choice? At first, I'm like, oh, okay, he's got a white friend. And then I'm like, oh, that character's not supposed to be white. William Forsythe is a chameleon, though, man. Like, he gains weight, loses weight, changes his... Like, he's somebody who But he's almost, still white. But he's still a white... I don't know, though, man. I, I had uh, a buddy of mine who... He was... Latino and he was he looked like a white guy. So I'm not saying like like it may have come more across that you you know William Forsyth, so you know he's a white guy, but I don't know. I think sometimes if it's like with the exception of Robert Denny Jr. in Tropic Thunder, which, you know, he obviously, you know, he was supposed to be a white guy playing a black guy. But I think like that's kind of a little bit more of a of a skirting the issue thing. I don't know. I think that uh, back then it was more so they wanted the right guy for the role. They didn't necessarily need to go with the specific race. Well, what about one of what I consider one of the best movies of 1992? Although I Yet, this movie's not for everyone. Abel Ferrara's Bad Lieutenant. A movie where you basically watch Harvey Keitel flip out and be a scumbag for just 90 straight minutes, and he's basically in every single scene of the movie. Where you guys going? The Kit Kat Club? Suck it. Pretend to uh, suck it. Pretend when he's, when yeah. he's jerking off with the girls. Jesus. Show me how you suck it, guys. You tell me that that scene is not both beautifully acted, uh, but also disturbing as hell. Keitel is incredible in that movie he's just he he owns it he's just like he's giving it his all and going in and just not pussying down the character at all he is a bad lieutenant and he is just playing bad as bad as possible it is uh a vastly underappreciated film i think because most people when they're watching a movie they want uh they need to have somebody to root for he is not somebody you root for he is a terrible human being and that's kind of the whole point of it he is just a bad lieutenant and uh it's it's a great movie though it just shows depth of somebody who was just awful i didn't need to see harvey Keitel naked though i will say that 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 no that didn't need to happen well there's a lot of movies where they show somebody naked that i didn't need to see but, but, but this you know, is the nc-17 it, version has him full frontal i didn't need that from harvey Keitel. i was okay not knowing what his dick looked like i mean uh hey i'm i'm good i would have been good with not seeing kathy bates naked but and you know there's uh about schmidt and hey oh look there it is Oh, that'll be haunting me forever. Well, speaking of haunting, what about Basic Instinct? The beaver shot heard around the world. I loved how she dialed that back. Like, where it was, I had no idea. Camera was right up there. How did you, like, I could just count so hairs. Yeah, it just so happened that you weren't wearing underpants that day. Come on. Like, and that was, it was like, just own it. It, uh, it was a big deal. That movie, though, was such a moment in time. Like, you had people legitimately pissed off. Like, you had a lot of lesbian groups that were angry at the portrayal of a, a bisexual woman in this film that were running into theaters yelling out the ending of the movie. Like, it was, it was such Basic a... Instinct is a movie I want to... I don't particularly like the movie, but I think the making of that movie might make a great episode down the line of... Th this might be a future episode. Films that you wouldn't think were cultural milestones for reasons you wouldn't expect. I think that's fair. I, th I it think was that's a, big a future deal. episode because Basic Instinct, honestly, I think the making of and the hype surrounding the movie is more interesting than the movie itself. 
I read the the first sex scene between Michael Douglas and uh, Gene Triplehorn was actually just a like screen test. And they liked it so much that they kept it in the movie. They were like, all right, well, that was good because they were they were a real couple at the time. So them like them roughing each other up was uh, it was a little realistic because I, I don't know. I guess I guess Michael likes it that way or, you know, when Gene likes it that way. Miami Vice did that uh, once, too, where Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson had a sex scene and they were married at the time. And the director said he basically just set up the camera and came back in a half hour. <laughs> As they, uh, uh, as, as they say, uh, the extra mile. So it might, it may have been, and then they just sort of cut around it. Cause there's been a, there's been a few movies where, uh, the, the, like they, a lot of times they deny it, but there's been a few movies out there where the, uh, the couple actually did have sex. They just, um, edited around it. What about a child's movie? Like Beethoven! Oh God, Beethoven. Although Beethoven is not as bad as Airbud, like at least there's there was a limit to Beethoven. I think there were four Beethovens, whereas I think we're up to like the nineteenth Airbud. Sounds about right. But then another huge hit. I hate this movie, dude. The Bodyguard blew in nineteen ninety two. It blows Ugh. now. What was it in the cultural zeitgeist that made this at best run of the mill? thriller the cultural milestone that it was uh whitney houston is you, all you, th- I you think, think that song a, did it i think it did it because i i um i've only ever seen it once I was at a friend's house and it was my one buddy's girlfriend who it was like her favorite movie and she put it on and we're watching it i'm getting angrier and angrier as the movie's going on and i noticed that everyone else that was watching it is now asleep why am I still watching this? This sucks. Everybody's asleep. So uh, I turned it off, and then she you know, wakes up. Hey, what you turn it off for? I'm like, Cause you're all asleep. Like, this movie sucks. You know what? She's like, no, it's a great movie. You know what other movies sucked that year? No. I, I liked that Eddie Murphy was trying to stretch his legs a little bit, but Boomerang does not work for me. Not one bit. I never understood why this movie was such a hit. I don't think it's funny. I don't think the drama works. I don't care about the love story. I do not like Boomerang. Boomerang had a couple of, like, funny moments in it, but overall, yeah, it's just a very, very mediocre, run-of-the-mill, dramatic comedy love story pilot garbage. I'm with you, man. I don't like it. But I, but the, the vast majority of the romantic comedies and stuff, I just don't care for. What about what many people, and I do mean many people, consider the worst movie Kurt Russell has ever made? Captain Ron! I like Captain Ron. You were in the minority. Didn't they... Didn't they... Dude, didn't they just remake Captain Ron not too long ago? No, or no, no, no the, they the, didn't. They were not re. No, they made um the overboard. Oh, the overboard. That's yeah, right. except that was a gender yeah, swap thing. They did a gender swapped overboard, but no. I'm but like Captain, Captain Ron, Ron yeah. I, I would have heard about this. Yeah, no, I I like Captain Ron fine. I think, but I think I think with that though, it's more so just whenever Kurt Russell was on, he was good because that was uh, Martin Short. Martin Short, yeah, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I think it's, I think it's fine. It's not like a great movie by any stretch. I have no need to watch it again anytime soon, but I always thought that it was like fine. Now, maybe this next one, maybe I just was not the audience for it because I've never liked Charlie Chaplin. I know, blasphemy, never liked Charlie Chaplin at all. The Richard Attenborough Chaplin movie. 
does nothing for me. I don't know how accurate it is to what actually happened. I was bored to tears with this movie. So, of course, it wins tons of awards. I never saw it because I, I really don't have any interest. Okay, well, then there's what might have been, along with Basic Instinct, one of the most culturally touchstone movies of the year, The Crying Game. You know, the big plot twist, she has a dick, is not actually the plot twist. And it comes, what is it, 20, 25 minutes into the movie? What is the one thing everyone remembers from that movie? She has a dick! I didn't like it because, uh, not because, uh, it was Jay Davidson was, was, uh, you know, uh, was pulling a old, uh, pulling a switcheroo. A, a switcheroo. But I just didn't think it's a good movie. I just thought it was incredibly boring. Odd where if I remember correctly, he like the, the reveal was a fairly realistic one. He goes into the other, you know, he's making out with, with Jay Davidson. The guy goes in the other room. He comes back. He's naked. And this is when he realizes that he's a guy and he flipped out like kind of Ace Ventura ish, you know, just starts like throwing up and, and like, look, I'm sorry. I think that that's, if it's one thing if you know, but if you get that surprise thrown on you, uh, I'm, I'm not. No, no, no. Uh, if know, he was, he was I, only pissed off because Jay Davidson's cock was bigger than his. Yeah, it probably was. But Jay, like, uh, Jay Davidson was very believable. And I think that overall, uh, it was, uh, it was an interesting idea, but I think that the whole thing was just really poorly executed because once they got past that and it was just a run of the, the mill rest- sort of, I mean, it is a crime thriller, but I don't, I don't know yeah, if that's the what it IRA, should be, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I did like, uh, was it, it was Forrest Whitaker who they captured. Yeah. And yeah, I thought that like that whole part was interesting. I was really kind of getting into that. And then they got into the, the love story and then it just really dragged along and, and like plotted along. And I thought the ending was pretty good, but overall it just the, the middle of the film it was just, it bored me to tears and I never really got into it. So it just kind of kept going and kept going and, and just bleh, kind of peter, you know, it didn't peter out at the end, at least had a strong ending, but I just never really particularly cared for it. Although it was another movie that just, it was a huge deal at the time. I remember it pissed off Ebert. Ebert went on about, uh, I think Ebert was one of the ones who spoiled the film because that was one of the big things. It was, you're, you weren't supposed to know. And then you know, all these critics that went out there and then were telling you the, the big, you know, not the, the, the big, big twist, but the, the other twist in it, you know, people weren't supposed to know going in that, that he was a girl because he didn't look like a, he's know, a very effeminate look like a looking man. Even, even when you look at him in Stargate, he's a very effeminate looking man. Did you ever see the movie Deep Cover, the one directed by Bill Duke? That's the Lawrence Fishburne one where he's undercover as a gang member and Jeff Goldblum is a, well, Jeff Goldblum-esque drug dealer. I'm going deep, 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 deep undercover. Deep, deep, like super deep, super deep. I was just watching Beverly Hills Cop 2 the other day. <laughs> yeah, not that deep cover, but deep cover with Lawrence Fishburne. I remember that being, uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember it being really dark. Oh yeah, it, like, it, it, it's not a romanticized version of the whole Crips versus Blood sort of thing. This is, I mean, okay, Boys in the Hood is a dark movie, but that's a different type of dark. This is that sort of almost Bad Lieutenant-esque kind of dark. Yeah, I was thinking that and like New Jack City, that kind of really grim, uh, honest portrayal 
of uh gang violence and stuff it uh it really did a good job with it uh and Lawrence Fishburne just as always knocks it out of the park now that you're mentioning it I would like to watch it again I haven't seen it in such a long time but I remember it being very good and just very depressing well, and then we're back to Eddie Murphy in another one of his meh movies The Distinguished Gentleman again I just nothing with this work but people love this movie I don't get it this is not one of Eddie Murphy's better movies I've never seen it, so I can't say. Well, now, some some people might consider El Mariachi a genre film, because, you know, it's very much an action movie. I mean, it's not horror or sci-fi. El Mariachi, I love. Desperado, I a.k.a. the big-budget remake, I couldn't stand. El Mariachi is everything I want in an independent, fuck you, kind of action movie. This, oh yeah? Well, I'll do it myself, and I'll have hookers and blackjack. I love El Mariachi for its style, and I thought when they remade it as Desperado, it just felt like an action movie. I don't know. I I loved El Mariachi, and I love Desperado. I think that they are uh, they're both different enough. Like it, because Desperado really is more a sequel. It's it's a sequel. It talks right, about it's a sequel, but it remakes the bulk of the plot. So it's it's sort of a. I've always considered Desperado to be like a soft reboot because. You know, El Mariachi yeah. technically counts, but it technically doesn't. If you go with the continuity, does that make any sense? Yeah, kind of. But, I mean, the thing with El Mariachi is it shows what you can do with a lot of talent and $7,000. Okay, we didn't even know this was his style of time because it's his first movie. Well, his first feature film. He'd done shorts before this I used to watch on Night Flight. Man, his mm. style just was shining so bright in this movie. Absolutely. He, uh, he exploded. Uh, he did, uh, just everything the way that he wanted to do it. And if, uh, he's got a book about Maria, El Mariachi, uh, Rebel Without a Crew that shines even more light on it. It's just, uh, fascinating to see all the stuff that he was able to do with no money, essentially. Yeah. All, all the money basically so went to film, it. the literal film. Because people don't realize film is not cheap. Film is always one of the most expensive things. Uh, you can get people to work for free. Uh, you can get locations uh, if you do things guerrilla style. But the physical stuff, the tangible stuff, film, props, there are things that you just need to pay for. So uh, and that being the big one. So yeah, what he did with that was great. And then I loved seeing Desperado because I loved having this guy who was able to explode onto the onto the scene with something that was so independent to be able to set things up and do it his way and it i know you're you don't you're not big on tarantino but it really brought the two of them together and they became a force to be reckoned with really well what about encino man one of the dumbest films of 1992 and i mean that literally and figuratively i like encino man because it brought us brendan fraser uh it's stupid but it's the right amount of stupid. Like, Polly Shore wasn't... It, it didn't get to the point where Polly Shore and jury duty and that kind of stuff. It was still Polly Shore, as Polly Shore, but dialed back a little bit. It was really more Brendan Fraser, uh, or Fraser, I always mispronounce his name, as the focal point of it. And it's it's corny. It is a very 90s movie. You watch that and you're transported back. Oh, this is kind of how the world was back then. Just dumb and careful and happy. 
I like it. I would never say that it's like a great movie, but it is a dumb, fun, entertaining, silly slice of early 90s life, except for the whole unfrozen caveman bit. Fern Gully, I might save for next week because that is technically genre with all the fairies and everything, so we'll skip Fern Gully. But then there was the movie that could not handle the truth, A Few Good Men. I, I'm, I'm, I'm 50-50 on A Few Good Men. I think the courtroom scenes are fantastic. The actual investigation up to the courtroom scenes are meh. It's a movie that didn't know what it wanted to be or Rob Reiner just let Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson run ragged over him. I'm not sure which. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you on it. I, I'm i not huge on courtroom dramas, but think that the courtroom scenes were phenomenally acted and they deserve all the credit that they get. I think uh, maybe a tighter edit may have made the movie a little bit more interesting because some of the investigative parts did drag. Uh, but overall, and again, this is another one I haven't seen in quite some time. I remember liking parts of it, but I wasn't crazy about the whole have you ever seen Frozen Assets, the Corbin Burnson, Shelley Long, and I'm going to put the word in quotes, comedy that came direct to video but was meant to be theatrical? Uh, I know about it. That's the one with the sperm bank. Yes. Corbin Burnson is cor- kind of a screw-up in his corporation, and he's got one last chance. They're going to let him run a bank, but it's a sperm bank, and he runs it like he would a financial institution bank. Ha ha, look at all the comedy. Oh, wait, there's absolutely no comedy in this comedy. I've never seen it because I just, it it never, it never jumped out at me. It's something that I had to watch. It's a Saturday Night Live sketch drug out to 90 minutes. Basically, you could see this working as a three-minute Saturday Night Live sketch. Well, then we've got Hand That Rocks the Cradle. This was another huge movie in 92. I thought it was okay. It's, this is a movie that only works the first time you watch it. This, I think Hand That Rocks the Cradle is a fine movie, but it has zero rewatch value to it. Uh, the first time I saw it, I wasn't impressed. Uh, I like Rebecca Dumornay a lot. I was very happy to see her getting, uh, a lot of recognition in a big movie. But, uh, the concept of it, I think was good. I think really it came down to the fact that they had the concept, but the script needed a few more rewrites. It just, it didn't really work. Maybe I should watch it again now because I'm a parent. It might hit me a little bit differently, but I always kind of, thought it was eh at best. Well, but then we come to, now this is not my favorite Hong Kong action movie. I think A Better Tomorrow is still a better film. Hard Boiled might be one of the greatest action films of all time. That hospital shootout, an American movie could have only wished to have had an action scene like that goddamn hospital shootout, which is, what, 30 minutes of the movie? Hard Boiled was the first John Woo movie I ever saw. And it was uh, just incredible. I know a lot of people for them. It was the killer. I didn't see the killer until after Hard Boiled. But wow, what a movie. And then little humorous things like he's on fire and the baby pees it out. So, like just it's so just unique and clever. I also and- like. And, um, incredible. My girlfriend and I were rewatching this a few months ago and I hadn't, you know, neither of us had seen this since the nineties and she didn't even notice there was like a seven to nine minute uncut action scene where they're using the elevator to change between floors. There's still no edits. I mean, can you imagine how long that took to shoot? 
possible there may have been stealth edits, but even still, it's impressive. Uh, I would have to look into that to see if it was uh, just a tracking shot. Yeah, it's uh, but stuff like that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we did that. He was such an energetic guy. He may have been able to pull that off. Well, and then, like like you were talking about with Hand That Rocks the Cradle, that, you know, the script maybe need another rewrite. That's how I felt about Hero, the Dustin Hoffman movie. This is a great idea. Don't like any of the characters, and I don't think the script works. The idea is solid, though. I I know it because it was uh, Andy Garcia, uh, Gina Davis, and Dustin Hoffman, yes. I believe. Yeah. I just, I I remember the trailer vividly, but I've never actually seen the movie. What about the most cash-in, now obviously this has happened with the Hangover movies later, but the most cash-in movie, the most cash-in sequel of all time up to this point, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, the movie that says, yeah, we're not even going to try anymore. No, Home Alone 2 was the original script. Home Alone 2 was originally what they wanted to do for Home Alone, but it was too expensive. So they, they changed it to, they, they rewrote, you know, they liked the idea, but they didn't want to do it, uh, in the city. So, uh, they did Home Alone where he was actually home alone as opposed to move, cause it was going to be part of it was home. And then yeah, he went, I forget the, cause it's been a few years since I looked into it, but, uh, essentially Home Alone 2 is what they wanted to do first. But after Home Alone was such a monumental hit, I think it was the biggest film of the year, if I'm not mistaken, did, uh, they said, Oh, well, we've already got a script written. So let's do Home Alone 2. And I like Home Alone 2 much more than I like Home Alone. I thought that the original Home Alone was, was really not all that great. I, I, I liked parts of it, but I think that Home Alone 2, for me personally, I think is the better film. Have you ever seen In the Soup with Steve Buscemi? I've never even heard of In the Soup. It's one of those little independent films. I think I saw it for the first time on IFC back when they were a real channel that actually showed independent cinema. And it's another one of those struggling guy trying to get his screenplay made in New York and he gets involved with the wrong people but it's all very lighthearted as well as the mob being involved and stuff but it's one of those ones I recommend if you're into weird indie cinema this one technically might be genre but there's Jennifer 8 because I mean it is a serial killer movie and she does kind of have psychic powers so this is technically genre I remember Jennifer 8 the cast was amazing and the movie was as standard of a serial killer movie as you could have had. I was so disappointed in Jennifer 8. And also the fact that I didn't uh -huh. see the first seven. Maybe, you know, the first seven movies fill in the, fill in the story that I missed. Wasn't Jennifer 8, she was a sex phone worker? And wasn't the serial killer killing sex phone workers or something? Uh, she was blind, but she has, to, um, she can like see through the killer's eyes through like a psychic connection or something. So he's trying oh, to so kill her. Laura so Mars. It, like I said, it, there is a, a sort of supernatural angle to this, but it just, none of it worked. And Andy Garcia, Lance Henriksen is in the movie and he should have been the main character. Andy Garcia is normally an actor that's fine. He doesn't, he looks like he doesn't want to be in this movie. And as the lead, huh. that doesn't make the movie good. No, I've, I know the movie, know the movie, but I just, I've never actually seen it. What about Juice, the Tupac Shakur movie, which is another one of those ghetto in the hood movies. I actually thought it was okay, except for the fact that I hated every single character in this movie. There was no character to root for, which is not inherently a bad thing, but I just, you know what, maybe make one of them likable? I like Boys in the Hood and uh, oh, what was the Farce Whitaker one that he directed? St Stacked or 
There was one that Forrest Whitaker directed that went straight to HBO that was way better. Uh, I never really particularly cared for Juice, but uh, yeah, Boys in the Hood, and then I can't remember the name of the Forrest Whitaker one, but that one was uh, was much better. Well, now, the next one we're going to talk about, Night Moves, is a serial killer movie that I think both gets points for originality for its twist ending and loses points because of its twist ending. You know, it, it's a serial killer who is killing people. He's like, if I'm going by memory here, he's like mapped out the city like a chessboard and he's killing people and then sending the cops the moves so they have to get a chess expert to try and figure out who who the next victim will be based on the chess moves. The plot twist is a background character that had two lines of dialogue. So you you get points for going, ha-ha, it's not who you thought it was. But you also lose points for going, no one would have ever figured out that character sitting in the background with two lines of dialogue was the f***ing killer. Was that the Christopher Lambert movie? Yes, with Diane Lane. With Diane Lane. I... It's another one that I've seen the box for, but never actually watched the movie. I've seen a lot of Christopher Lambert as a detective movie, so I think I would be interested in in that. Wasn't there a lot of... Was that the one where uh, there were a lot of sex scenes with Diane Lane? Again, I haven't seen it since 1992. I'm literally... I might even have screwed the plot up. I'm going totally off memory for this. Okay, because I remember, like, in the 90s, there was a, okay, we need to have lots of sex scenes with Diane Lane not a bad in thing. them for some reason. Oh, which is not, I'm not complaining at all, but I think that was one of the ones that really showcased it first, if memory serves. But no, I've, I've never, uh, I've, strangely enough, I've never seen it. It seems like something that I've seen, because I've seen Resurrection about 50 times, so uh, <laughs> it seems like that would have been one I would have watched a few times. Well, now, a lot of people and critics destroyed this next movie. I thought Christian Slater in Cuffs was hilarious. I think the movie is legit funny, and the way he kept breaking the fourth wall is now what people would be like, Look, that's all Deadpool style! He doing de- 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 yeah, well, Christian Slater did it first and funnier. I love Cuffs. I think uh, it was really I think it would have been better if it was an R-rated film. But uh, I think for what it was, it was really good. And the cast was completely interesting because you had the serial killer that his had own, the shirt with his own, with his own photo. It. I mean, Jesus Christ, when you're a wanted man, is that arrogant or stupid? Yeah, it's just there were a lot of clever things in it. I thought Christian Slater was completely on point. I thought Mila Jovovich was absolutely the fourth wall breaking stuff Uh, really worked in a lot of cases, especially the famous PG-13 swearing scene. Yeah, and it was done so well, you know, bleep, 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 and then f*** you. It was just, yeah, it's it's done very well. I think that that actually was one of the things where, you know, keeping it PG-13 worked. But uh, overall, uh, I thought it might have been a little stronger if it was an R, but I still love the movie for what it is. It's fun. It's unique. It's well done. Critics and, hated it, uh, and critics just, hated this movie like nothing it. else. Well, you know, as per usual, critics, uh, they take them or leave well, them. Well, what about Rodney Dangerfield in his, I'm going through a divorce and I need the money, Ladybugs? I love Ladybugs. Are you serious? Ladybugs is legitimately hilarious. Oh, oh come on, when he's... Uh, I've got a lot like, of balls. One of the... One of the best lines in the movie, poor Jonathan Brandis is running back and forth and he's changing in and out of the Martha costume. And Rodney goes, what is this, a drag race? I'm like, that's that's great. Like, that movie is so unbelievably funny. I really love Ladybugs. 
I think it is a legitimately funny movie. It is like not one of my all time favorite comedies, but it is a movie that uh, if if I'm sitting down and I got nothing to do and it just so happens to be on, I will throw it on and watch it and laugh. Well, now this movie is a good film by all by all parameters. I just could never get into Last of the Mohicans. I just don't care. I used to have a boss that uh, Last of the Mohicans was his favorite movie. He was a friend of mine as well. And he could not believe that I didn't like Last of the Mohicans. He's like, but I'm going to, what? Like, you don't like Last of the Mohicans? I'm like, I don't like Last of the Mohicans. I don't know. It just, it doesn't work for me. And he, oh, what the, I, and like, he could not comprehend that I didn't like it. And I've been meaning to revisit it just over and over again and just never have gotten back to it. Is, are the action scenes really well shot? Yes. Is the cast good? Yes. It, but for whatever reason, it just never particularly worked for me. But I've only seen it like one and a half times. So I, and I haven't seen it since probably the last time I watched it was like 1996. So I would like to uh, go back and, and check it out again and see if maybe my opinion will change because occasionally it, it has happened. But uh, I just I don't know. I didn't really particularly care for it. Well, then we've got A League of Their Own, which I saw theatrically. Tom Hanks is the only thing I like about this movie. And it's not, oh, it's girls. You're a misogynist. No. For one thing, Madonna and Laurie Petty actually play off each other quite well, and I actually liked both of them in this. I don't like the movie. I don't think it's an interesting movie. This is not a real slight against Petty Marshall, because she's done better movies. It's so boringly directed. It's directed like it's a goddamn TV movie. This is so flat and matter-of-fact, where you could have really done something with this women baseball team movie, and it's a period piece. It's directed like a fucking Lifetime movie. I don't like A League of Their Own. Uh, I love Lori Petty, and I agree. Like she's, uh, she really was just terrific. But uh, and uh, Tom Hanks is terrific in it as well. But I, I don't really care about the story. And I'm with you. I think it was just very dull. But then there's Lethal Weapon three, which I love. Lethal Weapon. I like parts of Lethal Weapon two, and I hate Lethal Weapon four. But three just is one of the most average big-budget, Joel Silver-style action movies out there. Yet, when when they throw Rene Russo in there, it does, you know, add an extra sting to the mix and all that. But, sorry, Lethal Weapon 3 is just about as average of a Lethal Weapon-style movie as you can get. Actually, Lethal Weapon 3, you know what it feels like to me? Less of a Lethal Weapon movie and more like a Lethal Weapon knockoff movie. I know it's official, but that's what the movie feels like to me. It's just, it's so safe. And I did not like that. Ah, you're nuts. I like Lethal Weapon 3 a lot. I'm, I might actually, I know this is going to be blasphemy. I might actually like Lethal Weapon 3 more than I like Lethal Weapon 2. Well, what about Love Potion number 9? Again, we're going to Hollywood ugly. Remember how Sandra Bullock is ugly because she wears glasses and her hair's all up and she's socially awkward. Until the love potion kicks in. Then she becomes beautiful Sandra Bullock. And strangely enough, dates Duncan McLeod for a little while. And they were dating, or no, not, uh, who is the other guy in that? Tate um, Donovan? Tate Donovan, yeah, her and Tate Donovan were dating in reality. But I like Love Le- Potion number nine. I think it's, it's cute, it's funny. It is hilarious because when they, they uglied Sandra Bullock up. She's still gorgeous so, like, though. 
she's still cute as a button. I mean, oh no, she's got glasses and a ponytail. And then she's not wearing glasses and a ponytail and they put her in a not as frumpy dress. And I'm, I'm like, who, cause this was the first movie I ever saw Sandra Bullock in. And I remember just falling in love with her. I'm like, this girl is so cute. And she's, she's playing it so sweet and innocently. And it was, um, it was a very, it was, a, I don't want to say safe, but it was a very safe romantic comedy movie that I think does appeal to uh, both sexes. I think you can kind of get a little bit of enjoyment out of it on both sides. It's not just straight up geared for women. I think guys can dig it too. And uh, it's it's a good movie. I, I like it. I think it's very fun. And uh, And she's just... She's really so unbelievably likable in it. Well, and then we've got Malcolm X, which I'm already biased against because I can't stand Spike Lee. But Malcolm X doesn't work for me because, no pun intended, I feel it whitewashes Malcolm X. It makes him out to be not as racist as he actually was against white people, out to be a better person than he was, and somebody who truly believes in his cause, where I've always thought Malcolm X was a complete shyster, has no moral conviction at all, and he just, I, I think Malcolm X was the same as David Dukes running the Klan, just it was for black people. I've never, I've only seen a little tiny bit of Malcolm X. I was never particularly interested. I don't, Sa Summer of Sam is the only, um, Spike Lee movie that I like. I don't know. I've avoided a lot of his stuff because the ones, the ones I have seen, I'm just underwhelmed with. I don't think he's as great a director, uh, as he gets credit for. I think he's a, he's got a bigger mouth, but there are much better black directors out there. And he's just the one that, for whatever reason, gets all this acclaim, and I don't think he particularly deserves it. Did you like Medicine Man with Sean Connery and Lorraine Bracco? Because personally, I loved the plot twist at the end, and Lorraine Bracco, I had such a f***ing crush on her in this movie. Because she has that sort of, you know, dirty, out-of-her-element sort of frazzled girl thing to her. I don't know, Lorraine Bracco was cute as hell in this. There was a, a great moment in uh medicine man uh her and sean connery just survived this incredible action sequence they just oh my god we were nearly killed like 50 times but we survived and she just immediately starts crying and it was such a genuine moment because it's like that's pretty much how anyone man or woman probably would have reacted after just surviving that insane well, yeah ordeal. sean connery's character and... is used to this sort of thing she's not no, she's not used to this sort of thing. So she just breaks down and cries and it's such a legitimate, genuine moment. I like it. I think that, um, it, it maybe went on a little bit longer than it needed to, but, uh, overall, uh, the, the, it was directed well. Sean Connery was, was on point as always. Uh, I think Lorraine Bracco, I'm, I'm with you. I, I really, uh, thought that she was just very, very pretty and cute at the time. I had only ever seen like one, I think, I think it was Hackers no, was Hackers years, a couple of years later. down the line. I saw like some, she was in something else that I, I really liked. Yeah, she, she, she was good. I think that she, the problem, one of the problems though, she wasn't strong enough to act with Sean Connery because he's just chewing up scenery left and right. And I thought that aside from the one really genuine moment, I thought that she was underacting a little bit, but uh, it didn't detract from the movie overall. I, I like it for, for what it well, is. I'm going to skip a couple here because they're, they're skippable. The Mighty Ducks, meh. Oh, that's like one of my wife's favorite oh, movies. God. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then there's Mo Money, the movie that is like an in-living color sketch for 90 minutes. 
Yeah, um, I agree. I did not like it. I can, I don't know anybody how anyone can not like My Cousin Vinny. That movie is phenomenal. Oh, First yeah. of all, Marissa Tomei manages to f***ing steal the movie from Joe Pesci. She's, she's awesome. Like, everybody in that movie is terrific. Fred Gwynn as the judge. and What's just, a yeah, It's such... Yeah, what the heck is a ute? It's so quotable. It's clever. It is a movie that I never, ever would have expected to be as good I as I don't it think was. anybody was. You, uh, you look at the promotions for it. No one expected My Cousin Vinny to be a good movie. And then it, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, they're like, wait, the Karate Kid's in jail, and uh, no, it is it is a terrific movie. The writing on that is on point, especially because if you watch the movie and you really pay attention to it, it starts off very funny, but it gets very serious. And by the end, when they're doing the courtroom stuff, the, the like the hardcore almost to the end courtroom stuff, when he really gets serious, transitions almost into a courtroom drama and there's like still some comedy but it's pretty serious because at the end of the day they're still on trial you for think murder. i'm hostile now <laughs> where do you see me tonight yeah and she's she's terrific she absolutely deserved her oscar like no like she legitimately deserved that she's she was terrific and there's that. newsies meh the only reason anyone ever remembers that movie is was one of early christian bale oh god have you ever sat through once upon a crime which one was the John Candy, Jim Belushi, Sybil Shepherd one that is, it's, it's trying really hard to be this wacky European style murder mystery crime thing with a huge cast and it's f***ing horrifyingly not funny? Surprisingly, no. <laughs> Cause I, I've, I've tried to watch all of John Candy's stuff because John Candy just always would give it his all. But he, unfortunately, was in a lot of bad movies. This was one of them. On the other hand, you go to, have you ever seen Carl Franklin's One False Move? No, I don't Bill think Paxton so. Bill Paxton is a small southern sheriff who is a lot smarter than he thinks. And then there's a murder that happens and it brings in, I think, L.A. cops who, you know, look at him as this, you know, shit-kicking little guy who don't know nothing. It's a great murder mystery. Billy Bob Thornton has a small, or has a role in it, early movie. One False Move is fantastic. It's one of those movies that everyone overlooks. Paxton is dead on point. Yeah, I'll have to check it and out. And then there's Passenger 57 with, you know, I mean, Bruce Payne might have been just literally eating the side of the plane. He was chewing so much scenery because he's Bruce Payne. That's what he does. And and Elizabeth Hurley, it I like Passenger 57 a lot. I thought it was it average. It is a very... And it's so... Oh, uh, how pre-9-11 is this movie? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, they would uh, they would have a lot of rewrites if they were going to try to remake this today. But uh, I like Passenger 57. It's, uh, it and is fun. And there's Patriot Games, which I just recently rewatched. It's a fine political thriller, but nothing special. You've got Robert Altman's The Player, which... It doesn't work as well as it thinks it does, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm not really big on those kind and of movies. And you've got Reservoir so. Dogs, which I, I don't know if I'm going to say is Tarantino's best movie. It might be my favorite, it might be my favorite movie of his, but God, do I love me some Jackie Brown as well. So that's the only, the fact that Jackie Brown exists is the only reason I won't say Reservoir Dogs is not as Tarantino's best. Those are my two favorite Tarantino movies. Reservoir Dogs is phenomenal. It was a movie that came out and it just, everybody was talking about it. It just was like, oh my God, this movie is unlike so many other things. And granted, we discovered that it was partially 
borrowed completely from City on borrowed Fire, from City on it's Fire. Still, <laughs> still, it's just it's it's something magnificent. Then there's a river runs through it. Pass. But then there's Romper Stomp. Just recently rewatched this with my girlfriend. Neither of us had seen it in a while. The Russell Crowe movie where he's a neo-Nazi in Australia. Wow, is this a dark movie? I forgot just how dark Romper Stomper was. I think I've seen it, but it's not ringing enough bells. And then there's the Hoo-Ha movie. Do I even need to say the freaking title oh. of this piece of crap? Uh, yeah, Scent I never cared for blows. it yeah. oh. Hoo-Ha! Hoo-ha! And then there's Ugh. Chuck Norris apparently needing money and sidekicks. Come on, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's freaking another Jonathan, poor Jonathan Brandis. Another Jonathan Brandis, Joe Piscopo as like the bad guy. It's, it is a kids movie, but it is an enjoyable kids movie. He's idolizing Naris and then learns how to do kung fu and it's just, uh, it is a less aggressive karate kid. What about single white female? I thought the movie was eh. I like the cast, but I always thought that single white female was an absolute bore just fest. Like- I never Just like, cared for it. Oh my god, you don't know how much I hate Cameron Crowe's singles. It was like singles is another very god. That yes. was 1992. I thought it was a, I thought it was a little bit later, but yeah, I guess. I mean, it was uh, it was the it was a moment in time. It was very grunge. I mean, Kurt, uh, Chris Cornell is in it. Granted, he's just kind of there for like five seconds, but the the, the soundtrack is terrific, and it uh, it was a very good. Not it's not a romantic comedy, but I mean, it was a dating drama. I don't know what you would crap categorize, would categorize it as. It as crap. It's uh, it. I thought it was a very entertaining slice of life of the '90s with a really great then soundtrack. One of the inexplicably biggest hits of the year, Sister Act, a movie I literally cannot finish. I've never seen this whole movie because I get so frustrated with how not funny this comedy is. I keep turning it off. I've never made it through this movie. Jumping Jack Flash is better. Burglar, yes, Burglar is really good. And Fatal Beauty, But then there's... Now, this movie, I don't know what to think of Sneakers. Because it's fun, it's not realistic in any conceivable way, and... Dan Aykroyd's character brings me back to a a different time before the Alex Joneses when the conspiracy nut wasn't the dangerous kook, you know? He was just sort of different. It's it's a good movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, I think Sneakers is, uh, if I remember correctly, it, I remember it being good. I remember having a phenomenal cast. Do we even really cast. need to talk about Stop or My Mom Will Shoot? Can we just gloss over that? No, Stop or My no, Mom Will not. Shoot is funny. Oh yes, it God, is. Oh, my God, I don't get you sometimes. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't get me sometimes. Okay? Uh, how about Val Kilmer and Graham <laughs> Greene in Thunderheart, the Native American murder mystery movie? I don't think I've ever actually seen okay, Thunderheart. What, what about one of the best action movies from America? Because the Hard Boiled, you know, is one of the best of the year. Under Siege, the movie that showed, holy crap, Steven Seagal can actually be a box office, you know, like a number one hit. I consider this a Punisher movie that's just not the Punisher. Because he's the Punisher in this, isn't he? Dude, Under Siege is awesome. Under Siege is so good. Even I even like the sequel. Uh, on a the Choo-choo only theatrical as, uh, Seagal movie Eric I've Pagosian never seen says. is the sequel. Wow, really? Uh, the sequel is good in its own way, but uh, I thought that they were they did a good job of being able to recapture but the, the magic. But of the, the first, first one, one, one but, of the uh, things I think makes the movie work is while he's the star, it's really ensemble. 
first of all, Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey almost, well, first, they overact like hell, and that makes them great. But look at how many of the side characters actually do things. Seagal, yes, he gets to kill the villains and stuff, but there's lots of the other soldiers that actually do things in the plot. In a, a average Seagal movie, they're just there to support him. Yeah, they were just there as cannon fodder. But uh, Seagal actually, like, they do stuff. It's not just all on him. And uh, I do like that, you know, just a lowly, lowly cook. Just a cook. <laughs> Kalaniac, I thought, was good as the damsel in distress. Tommy Lee Jones is just chewing up Cole scenery. Cole Meany, uh, pre-Deep Gary Space. Busey is Cole Gary Meany, Busey. pre-Deep Space Nine, is one of the villains. He's chewing as much scenery as Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones is. Absolutely. Yeah, it is a, a great movie. I really enjoy that a lot. Does not get... Enough, enough love, I think, because there's the backlash against Seagal now for for what Seagal kind of became. But people are, you know, so quick to forget that he was. There's a reason why people still know who he was. He was a sensation then back Unforgiven, then. Unforgiven, which many people consider the best western ever made. Eh, I know you don't like westerns, so we can gloss over that. And then there's Unlawful Entry. Oh God, did I not like this movie? I did not like Unlawful Entry at all. Yeah, Leota's fine, Kurt Russell's fine, Madeline Stowe's fine. God, did I not like this movie. I want to revisit it because it's a movie that I w- I'm with you. I didn't like it when I saw it. I thought it plotted along. I think that Leota was phenomenal, but uh I thought overall it, it was just kind of boring. Wayne's World, which we don't even really need to say anything about it. It's a fantastic movie that, by all rights, should not have worked, but did. Yeah, Wayne's World shouldn't have worked. It's a, a Saturday Night Live bit. It's, I think, one of two Saturday Night Live bits that became a movie that actually worked. That and Blues Brothers. But, uh, and they've been trying for ages to figure out how to recapture that and they just haven't been able to. But yeah, Wayne's World is legitimately still Sequel, funny. Sequel, not so much, but. Well, the sequel is pretty much the same movie, just not done as well. Like, and it's, and I put that saying, you know, like, it's not good. It's, it's like, it had a few moments that were good, but it just really, that was a total cash in because, oh my God, the first one made so much money. We need to do this again. And it found out that they couldn't capture lightning in a bottle twice. The indie film where the day takes you, which most people have not seen. I, I have not seen it since 92. I saw it in the theater. White men can't jump. I actually remember really liking in 92. It's really good. I saw it again um, maybe six years ago. Thought that it was really good because cast was was phenomenal and it wasn't just a basketball movie. It kind of went into their relationships. It went into Jeopardy. It, it strangely enough made <laughs> like, Rosie Perez right. not irritating enough to make your head explode. Yeah, even though the whole movie was Billy, you're so stupid. But like it, I don't know. It, for some reason, it was charming. At the time. Uh, but I, I like it. I still like it. I think it's a good movie. And Wesley Snipes and uh, Woody Harrelson play off each other Without very well. So let's take a quick look at the top ten box office movies of the year. We've got, starting at number one, Aladdin, as I said before. Inexplicably, we have The Bodyguard at number two. Then we have Home Alone 2, Lost in New York at number three. Basic Instinct, Lethal Weapon 3. Batman Returns, A Few Good Men, Sister Act, again, inexplicably, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which we'll talk more about next week, and Wayne's World. As much as I don't like The Bodyguard, as much as I don't like Sister Act, this is one of those times where I can say, you know what, all of these movies, I see why they made all their money. Each one of them 
has a reason for uh, why it's so successful. I mean, we could go through them all, but basically they all are either coming off of a very successful previous film. Uh, in the case of something like Basic Instinct, the controversy was what made a lot of people go see it. And uh, Sister Act, I'm not entirely sure. I, I guess just because I think it was Sister Act was probably the most successful Whoop, uh, Whoopi probably. Goldberg movie. I think so. So. I, I don't. It just it it happened at the right time. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, we'll, I I, I, just, adore, I adore that movie, so we'll talk oof. about that next week. Okay, but um, yeah, just I I think they all kind of uh they kind of have a reasoning. You know, Batman Returns following uh, the uh, Batman was the most successful film of nineteen nine or of nineteen eighty nine. Uh, it uh, each one of them has a pretty valid reason for why they're there, and uh, I don't think. The bodyguard, I don't like at all, but I understand. So I don't think there's any on that list, though, that I outright hate. I just don't like the bodyguard, and I don't particularly care for uh, few good men. Before we get to the genre films next week, where can people find the Cecil? You can find me at goodbadflicks.com, as well as goodbadflicks on YouTube, Twitch, Fitter, Twitter. You can find me at uh, also on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, and 1201beyond.com. You can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above. Help out our Patreon. Go to adamandeve.com. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.